0: Hello there, and welcome to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. This is episode fourteen, where we are discussing Herzog's masterclass lesson fifteen. And with me, as always, is Mr. Colin McFader. What's up, buddy? Hello, hello. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic, man. It's another beautiful day out here in Orange County, California. What's it like up there near Toronto, sir? Well, it's dipped down temperature-wise, it's gotten a lot colder, it
1: was really warm last week, like, you know. Very I, nice, f- no, I figured
0: this will this, be this will be a new part of the podcast where we'll it's do our, like it's a, it's our weather forecast, <laughs> not forecast, but our, it'll be like, let's give, let's paint a picture. We'll like, yeah, you yeah. know, we can, so people can really feel like they're here with us, you know. Get some and, warm apple cider. Yeah, and I've got some ooh. construction going on outside, which is perfectly appropriate for the sound episode. Absolutely. So. That's right. So this one is, this is covering sound. That's lesson 15. And I think this one is going, look. They're all important, but I think this one is going to be a really, really important topic, especially for uh, people who may be just, just, just starting out Mm -hmm. um, making their own films. Because I think, I mean, Herzog talks about it. He starts this lesson right off the bat with, you know, look, the the first few films he ever made, he couldn't even ever show to an audience because he had unfortunately neglected the sound quality. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but I have. Um, some of the first short things I, I mean, the sound was just sadly, it, it just broke the film. And I think, you know, for us visual thinkers, many of whom that's why we've kind of gone into filmmaking, uh, the first most, you know, foremost thing on your mind is the visual. And mm-hmm. it, until you kind of learn otherwise through a few, you know, trial and error mistake runs, that actually, you know, people are much, much, much more tolerant of visual artifacting or issues than they are of sound issues oh yeah i mean i always find it
1: funny too if you think about the the documentary that we shot together in california you know we had a the sound on that is is really nice. I think that, you know, we did a really great job of of making sure that was great. And we had a a nice camera too, but we could have shot that on an iPhone. I think so. And I think as long as the sound is nice, I think people will buy into it. Whereas, you know, vice versa, had we just sat an iPhone on the table and been recording audio that way and had really beautiful visuals, um, people are going to turn that off. I actually, when I was, I used to do a lot of um, sound design for theater, and remember right. when I was being trained for that, um, the the guy who was training me uh, sp- sp- basically said, and, and this is something that I think carries a lot into film. Um, people will go into a theater and watch a play in the dark, but they will not go into a theater and watch a play where they can't hear what the actors are saying. Absolutely. And so I, I think that really that's a put good it way. Towards-
0: And, you know, that's a good way to put. And of course, I will not be able to reference these studies specifically, sadly, but I I do recall having read, you know, that there are kind of, you know, scientific studies that show that uh, people are definitely have a higher capacity for visual static or artifacting or, you know, whatever you may want to term, basically Mm -hmm. poor video quality. Uh, but we have a very low tolerance to poor sound quality, and you can even see this in you know the the mediums that have been used to distribute um, films throughout history, right? Um, you know, people didn't have much of a problem watching VHS tapes or Beta if you happen to you know be in those part of the worlds where people use Beta, but uh, sound was like surprisingly decent, uh, especially mm-hmm. there were there were uh, tape video uh, formats that actually had digital audio um, yeah were very yeah. good quality
1: but uh so yeah well, I think I, a, a really pertinent perhaps comparison is you look at um uh the Michael Mann um uh what's it called Miami Vice Okay oh um, no t- oh,
0: now you're talking about TV show or film
1: because No film was, the okay. film with uh, Jamie Foxx with Jamie um,
0: and uh Colin Farrell if I do yeah, believe right And okay. so you look
1: at that and that movie was digital and right. they and intentionally. Because Michael Mann
0: was an early, definitely an early, yeah, adopter early of digital. adopter digital, yeah. and
1: he he pushed the ISO on those digital cameras really high to get noise, which is usually what people try to avoid. But if you right. watch that movie, it's noisy as hell. It's it's incredibly
0: noisy. Yes, it's, it's an example, and I think I actually think it really works for the movie. But there's a lot of people right. that don't like it. Well, he's got a handful why. of films that are terribly noisy. What was the yeah. other film that he made with Tom Cruise? I actually think it's one of his best films, where Tom is it, Cruise um, is a hitman, and I think Collateral. Jamie collateral yeah uh yeah. i think he used a phantom in that if i'm not mistaken um, yeah for the whole thing yeah for the whole thing but you look at anyway. so you look at
1: that that's an example of you know intentionally pushing visual technology to a point that it's not necessarily usually used you're experimenting right. with it whereas then you look at tenet which just came out the christopher nolan newest nolan one where he tried to experiment with sound by which Nolan reducing the dialogue yeah and Everyone's complaining. Critics, audience—you well, know, everyone you know, sort of said like, "I can't hear anything," and and so it's like you can experiment with one. You can't really—it's difficult. You know, it's difficult now, to I, experiment in a way of of you know. You can definitely experiment with sound. Well, legibility
0: like, is an issue yeah, for sure. Exactly. I mean, I remember now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to have a pretty vivid viv- uh, vivid memory of Interstellar also had uh significant issues or complaints in theaters Nolan had really specifically you know he he specifically mixed that film and isn't this right and and he you know had very specific instruction for how it was supposed to be the sound was supposed to be replicated in theaters now I remember seeing that film and I actually saw it um at a screening in Los Angeles, I don't recall the theater now because this has been, I don't know, the film is what, like a decade old already? It's yeah. crazy. Um, but Nolan was there. He did a and a It was one of the first screenings of the film. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I-, I can hardly understand a damn word.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: there was so much of that ultra low frequency. There was so much bass and there was so much dialogue that was underneath sound effects. And, and- I-, I think that's the
1: thing is that sound is, weirdly enough, even though it's not something that you can like, physically see sound is um a lot less uh subjective than visuals when it comes to weird. being able to tolerate yeah yeah uh, exactly it's like, it's like you can yeah. and i you know there's all because there's all these things as well where sound is an instant reaction you know a lot of people say if you're cutting to a beat of a song mm. the, the the visual should be cut a frame before the beat in the song because our minds will you process, sound process the, the sound faster, exactly. Right. So it's almost this, there's this different reaction in our brains to sound, which is, of course, we're getting very scientific here. But I think it's really important to understand these elements because, Agreed. you know, I love, exper- I always said that experimenting with sound is very, very similar to experimenting with um, visual effects, like practical visual effects. You think of and how they gonna, used yeah. to make and we'll get Absolutely. into that and more we're going to get in into that detail. That but it, it, but it's it's really interesting
0: and and I think it's a, an area where you know it, it's there's a little bit less um I mean at least for the amateur or kind of like up and coming filmmaker I think um there's so much opportunity there uh to really explore using sound as another you know as a uh not just okay I'm going to get it right but to really you know take that and turn it into something stylistic and artistic mm-hmm. and adding to the the storytelling but let let's it's one of the few th- it's one of the
1: few aspects of film however though that has to be high quality
0: it does I you agree. know it's
1: one of these things where it's like there's such a quality barrier on sound that you often you know people will forgive again if you can't afford a great camera and you shoot on a canon rebel People will forgive that for the, the merit of the film, whereas people are a lot less forgiving if they the mics are scratchy and there's wind and, you know, all this. There's, you know, there's no question. In.
0: So, But but thankfully, thankfully, as Herzog talks about in this lesson, I mean, we do live in an era where not only has camera technology and editing technology uh, increased in capability and decreased in cost, but of course, so has audio quality or mm-hmm. audio equipment, right? And so, I mean, my, right now I'm recording using a road boom mic that i actually use often when i'm shooting i'm recording with a tascam d70 it's just a little bitty tiny external uh digital four track recorder here that's xlr input with phantom power it's extremely easy to use i don't recall it being i've I've owned it now for i don't know probably four years some odd Uh, i don't remember how much it cost, but i remember it being quite cost effective and practical um there are you know thankfully there are tools available now uh, where you can get good quality sound without having to break the bank, so it that's awesome. Yeah, the excuses are running out essentially.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I and I think it's really, I mean, but it is really pertinent, I think, to say because you, you know, unlike Herzog's first few movies, or even the first few movies that you made, or even you know, even though it's much more recently, the first few movies that I made, there was such a lack of yeah. availability for for not only being able to do things over but just being able to edit sound and nowadays it's so available and there's even new i think zoom just released um their new recorder that that records in 32-bit audio it's kind of blowed me blew me away because it's you're able to rather than i know yours records at a dual frequency so you get the higher correct um, you've got a three decibel cut on the whereas the 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 newest Zoom, I can't remember what the the number is, but um, it actually records in 32-bit, so it's much like RAW, where you actually... It's not just two different audio files recording. The entire scope of the sound is recorded, so even if it peaks, you can bring it down and you can recover much greater manipulation and it's incredible it's i i saw this video demonstration of it it's really remarkable
0: that's fantastic i'm gonna have to look into that um it's funny i was actually just on zoom's product page um earlier today just checking out kind of the latest and greatest uh in some of those smaller digital recorders and i i did not note that but i will go back and check that out Mm -hmm. i mean you know yes i am much older than you it's true uh, and so, yeah, I mean, for, you know, so many of the, uh, the f- short films that I made of which are, I can't even count and most of them are gone. And I think, you know, many of us kind of learn this way, right? You I was lucky enough to have a camcorder in the family. And so mm-hmm. I began making films for myself and my friends and my parents when I was young. But There was never any way for me to um, extract audio from visual. I mm-hmm. mean, it was I it was only on camera, mic and I could never take the audio away from the video, and I couldn't add to it, and I couldn't subtract from it, not in any real practical sense. So, you know, being able to, the technology we have now makes that so uh, within the grasp of, of almost any filmmaker. Uh, it really does just, I mean, it it just blows thing op- things open uh, for people to because, be able to do. And I
1: think because sound is so much more difficult to grasp than visuals, you know, like a, a, as a child even, you can kind of get the feeling of what makes a movie look like a movie it's the lighting it's the the really nice cameras things like that you can kind of replicate that even if you have you know a high eight video recorder um but sound is so much more difficult because you don't really get to see the result or the process um and i think i mean i didn't learn in depth you know how sound worked probably till i went to a, a summer camp a film summer camp that was you know Top by industry professionals and that's actually where i teach a lot wait a of things minute. now but um... wait a minute
0: cullen cullen i'm getting an idea mm-hmm. horror film <laughs> summer video camp there you go exactly oh <laughs> and... believe me we've made plenty <laughs> <laughs>
1: i'm sure uh, but, I'm but, sure. but I mean, that's what i mean is that it, it took it took me getting to a a a you know get getting in touch with an industry professional to learn yeah about what sound was versus it took me watching Jurassic Park and Jaws to learn yeah. about, you know, the visual storytelling. Well, so let's it's talk such about a huge that. difference, yeah.
0: Okay, let's talk about that some. So it's like, yeah, we've beat this dead horse. Sound is vital and, and I think uh, more vital even than the visual, frankly. Um So let's talk about some ways that that then uh, if you're just starting out, you can get there. Let's talk about some ways that we've done this. I mean, Herzog, Mm -hmm. you know, suggest, okay, hey, you got to learn the basics. Now, again, with other, you know, we've talked about this in other uh, episodes. Uh, As a director, you are not going to be the master of every single area of filmmaking, but you certainly need to learn the basics. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and I, for example, I would readily, readily, readily admit I, you know, I would never do my own sound recording on anything other than an exercise that I Mm -hmm. might be shooting Mm -hmm. or... Or some rare exception if I'm doing some industrials or something and it's very simple. I'm there, you know, uh, shooting an interview and, you know, yes, I'll record my own sound there. That's not a big deal. But if I'm shooting a film, uh, I would always have somebody whose expertise lies in that area to do that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know what are some ways that you that you found effective then um for kind of learning the basics for sound in your experience
1: i mean as i said there's there's software that you can get now that's free DaVinci da vinci has fairlight built in which is an incredible sound mixing software um, and i would say just to try gets, that yeah. Just go out, um, you know, every, again, things are so available now to even again, when I was a kid, they weren't. Now is um, Fairlight, is, not... is
0: Fairlight in the free distribution? Yeah, of it's
1: in da- the free Resolve. As far as I know, it's in the free Resolve. Yeah. Okay, I've never fantastic. actually used the free one, but, but I'm pretty now, sure that it is. Not to
0: digre- um, I, I use Audition, uh, not to get too in the weeds here. Is Fairlight, you have experience with that? It's something you yes, recommend? Yes, Fairlight's great. Fairlight,
1: because, okay. because the thing is that, you know, again, not, as you said, not to get too into the weeds, but Fairlight was a separate audio software entirely right. that DaVinci, or Blackmagic bought and put into And then incorporated. Resolve. Yeah. yeah. So it I, wasn't I, like they just kind of built their own and right. put it in there half-assed. It was actually quite an established uh So you can software. start to
0: learn the software. You know, some, some of the things to, to even kind of step back even further from, you know, learning kind of technical aspects, but learning from kind of a, uh, you know, starting to understand more, uh, about sound and kind of t- starting to lead a little bit more with your ear as opposed to just your eyes when you're, mm-hmm. uh, filmmaking. I mean, some of the, the stuff that I've done and I find it quite enjoyable too. So maybe I'm weird is that I, you know, way back when, uh, when DVDs first came out, I was blown away by the fact that I could strip the audio Off the DVDs and make an MP3. And (laughs) I would often do that. I would strip the audio from my favorite films and then just listen to them. And And I remember you mentioning that to me because you mentioned THX is a great one to do. Yeah. Yeah. It it is. Uh, THX is an excellent film to do that with. And so, you know, there, it's, I'm completely focused on. The sound and it really is amazing especially with a good set of headphones on you've got a good dvd audio rip um mm-hmm. it, you, it really allows you to focus on uh, of course not just the soundtrack but the foley work the dialogue record i mean it's just amazing how much you can focus on it as opposed to just you know watching the flick in your in your living room i highly recommend it uh, and the
1: conversation's something. another great one too which you know coppola oh for thing. sure Lucas yeah. were very, very forward I, on the sound. I, they kind of were pioneers of, of of new sound technology.
0: I mean, I would highly recommend, you know, take whatever your favorite film. So everybody, you know, anybody out there, take your favorite film and... You know, I, I just did it that way because I wanted to have the audio portably on my phone. Mm-hmm. I could listen to headphones. Of course, you can, you know, just put the audio on some source and just not watch the video uh, yeah. if you don't want to go through the trouble of actually extracting the audio track. But I highly recommend, you know, uh, and go do it like an A-B. Uh, just listen to the audio and then go back and just watch the video. Well, very,
1: uh, um, very similarly, too. I think one thing that taught me so much about sound when I was kind of starting out was... Um, and this is something that I use with the students that I teach: um, is make a movie, make a short film centered around sound, mm. and then do one edit of it where everything is entirely post; all the sound is uh, either foley that you've recorded or ADR separately it? or ADR. Okay. Um, and then do another one where you try to use everything that was on, on set location. recorded, and and on location, and and I think that you know, you're very, you're very rarely going to come into a situation where you're making your own thing and you have to choose one or the other. But I think it really, at least to me, gave me both with the one that was all post sound, gave me a chance to really experiment. And I yeah, still use that, a great that strategy in in things that I do today. Um, but the one that was in um, all location sound taught me, you know, okay, what did I miss here? You know, if I only had this to work with, how can mm-hmm. I go back and do it better next time? Because yeah. you know, did the mic bump something or was the the input too low was it you know all right. this different stuff that you can really um kind of gauge just from doing that and it, it becomes really fun and even just you know Herzog mentions in his master class going outside with a microphone to a forest and, and spending a night there and recording but right. you know just do it around your house do it sure. in your backyard um and that's kind of what I mean when I said um that I find fully especially um very similar to those old-styled VFX where it's like you're just experimenting you're just looking for new ways to create different sounds and which I think is really fun I used to actually want to be a Foley artist that was kind of my <laughs> Oh that's awesome my desire as a kid to to work yeah. in foley Well it
0: is it is a fantastic I there are you know I've seen documentaries of course once again I can't remember the names but I've seen some great pieces whether it's featurettes or you know docs on Foley artist and it really is truly an extraordinary um uh art form frankly and it's i think really underappreciated it's mm-hmm. um you know uh it, it, one of those things that if you if you're just kind of a casual or even you know, I don't know even a little bit more than just a casual you know film watcher uh you if you've not really made a lot of films you start to realize how interestingly that you know very real sounds won't play as real when you know you've actually if, it, it, it's just amazing how sometimes it's actually these these Foley sounds or what an audience expects things to sound like. And if you have a realistic sound, it's not going to play. It's just very Mm -hmm. interesting sometimes how that, Mm -hmm. uh, how that goes. But, um,
1: and he, uh, he does mention that sort of when, when he talks about the, uh, encounters at the end of the world. Um, uh, and he talks about how they, you know, this, and that kind of gets into this whole idea of diegetic versus extra diegetic sound. It's the sound that you put in, um, and I mean, that's, that's somewhat related well, to technically it. within, yeah, sure. So let's explain, explain just for DS people who, is, who yeah. don't,
0: so go ahead. So diegetic is where you So diegetic s- is source. basically
1: any sound that is within the scene. So, uh, you put it pretty well, which was like a, a radio playing or, right. you know, sounds it's in of the scene, footsteps the We see a radio, birds. right. Yeah. And it's in the room um,
0: and we hear the, the music from the radio. Yeah, Everything and else then, is
1: extra diegetic. Yeah. So extra diegetic is sound that you can basically say, you know, the characters can't hear or that nobody right. within the That's world could hear. It. So, so yeah. soundtrack, um, but there are also sound effects that can be extra diegetic, you know, like in Saving Private Ryan, when uh, that that opening scene on the beach, when Tom Hanks kind of gets shell-shocked and you've mm-hmm. got all those like mm-hmm. crazy you... sounds going on that it sort of sounds like a kettle yeah. reaching its kind of climax. And, and um, that would be considered uh, extra diegetic even though it's implying that tom hanks that's kind of what his emotional sensory is right there's no kettle on the beach there right you know right. it's 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 very much a it's using it's interesting the sound i to, have
0: never i know. have never kind of correlated that sound to a kettle but i do remember that that you know and, and i don't know if saving private ryan was the first film to do this but i felt like i've seen so many films after mm-hmm. they used that effect of of shock and then, yeah, and you know, the kind of you did, yeah. coming back to, yeah. Well, I, you know, it, so let's talk a little bit about some more of these things. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Herzog talks about um, the importance of uh, paying attention to sound when you're scouting locations, he talks about, you know, this, he tells the story about, which is like wild. Of course, like every time Herzog tells a story, I'm like, of course they would try that. Like yeah. he talks about <laughs> the soaking the floorboards of this room uh, in order to be able to shoot there without having the floors creaking so much mm-hmm. that you could, you know, that they couldn't get on location sound. It's hysterical. I, I don't think he says that didn't end up working, but but it proves it or it um, speaks to a really important point. Uh, I can't tell you how many times that, you know, I've been on a shoot uh, many times as an actor and, you know, this location has been scouted and not enough attention was paid to, you know, the fact that let's say like it's a it's an apartment or something and you can't control the HVAC uh, Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's right next to a highway or, you know, it's right under an airport just you know it, the neighbors are, are the walls are paper thin and you can hear the neighbors right through the wall and you have no way of controlling the neighbors um i mean certainly these things are important uh and and herzog rightly points out that it's vital when you're scouting locations to have these things in mind because it can mm-hmm. really make or break a shoot there's no question and
1: especially with things like documentary sometimes you may not even get to scout you know we for sure again we shoot shooting that documentary in la we shot in that um that school and the studio it was right the studio is technically a studio yeah and it, it had a streetcar going down below that kind of honked every few minutes <laughs> um and i remember i do remember we actually i almost recorded that the the interview as well with the air conditioning and then right before we started Um, we both sort of went, Oh, air conditioning. And it was like this, this really quick thing. But, um, but again, it's things like that, that you immediately kind of, you can't hesitate on it. Like we couldn't have possibly gone, Oh, maybe we should do this or that. All we have to do is kind of embrace it. And then we can go, well, maybe, you know, if it's so low, maybe we actually put in city sound effects behind that. So it sounds intentional. Sure. Um, or something like that. Like example, so many ways that you can, yeah, exactly. Just get creative with it.
0: And, you know, this this sparks to mind an idea, too. Um, you know, when, when I'm scouting a location for sound, I'm trying to ascertain what the sound situation is. I use a mic that I'm going to be using and my headset. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, how I walk around with it. Yeah. it just because it's, it's amazing how different that experience is going to be than if you're just walking around with your unaided ears. It will be a significantly different experience. So I mm-hmm. just I highly recommend, you know, if uh when you really want to get a sense of what something sounds like, take one of your primary microphones, run it through your uh amp, your recorder, and use the headset that you know, use a good quality headset and um I think it'll give you a much more accurate representation of what's going to actually end up in your recording as as, as opposed to just your naked ears. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you talked about, so we're, we're talking about, you know, all different kinds of stuff, diegetic versus extra diegetic, talking about using sound as an effect. Uh, let's also talk a little bit about um, ADR and location sound. Now, this is not something that Herzog speaks to uh, mm-hmm. directly or much. I mean, he, uh, he talks about the importance of getting on location sound. But of course, ADR is a thing. It exists. And it's a tool that can be profoundly helpful but may have its own pros and cons so let's talk about that Mm -hmm. now yeah
1: i mean i I think that there's uh kind of a stigma about there's this really bad line you know let's fix it in post or whatever that that (laughs) would get you thrown (laughs) off any set but i do think that people often think that it's one or the other and i think that the the best and the most efficient sets and the sets that usually get the best results that I've seen and actually worked on personally have been the ones that do very much marry those two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't stress about um, if the location sounds not perfect, because there are very many ways to, you know, yeah slap myself on the wrist, but there are many ways to fix it fix in it post, and for let's, the lack of a better term.
0: And we'll take a step back here. Now, this is always, I, I, I'm not going to even lie. I had to look this up. I always forget this because the the name has kind of gotten a little bit uh stretched from its you know it's used to just mean any after the fact audio recording for dialogue but Mm -hmm. adr stands for automated dialogue replacement Mm -hmm. and uh most of us as um as small independent filmmakers this isn't going to be automated (laughs) yes (laughs) in any real way you're going to have to actually do this kind of tediously uh, unless you've got some, some budget to go into a studio that, that does this. But, but that just means that you, uh, for whatever reason, you are recording dialogue to dub in over the video you've recorded and replace whatever audio or dialogue was uh, recorded there on location, just mm-hmm. in case there was any uh, question about that. And so you're saying you think, hey, this is a tool. It's in the toolbox. Uh, a lot of people uh, flip out, you know, don't, don't, don't use it. Um, but that it actually can be really helpful. Oh, yeah. I, and I've used I, it many
1: times. I, I try not to if I can get great sound on location. I first, th- yeah. very much prefer that, but I, I think that if it's done
0: well, people
1: can't notice, and that's, that's the goal, right?
0: That's the goal. I, I think it's, you know, it's certainly, I, so yeah, you said, you know, look, I try to do everything I can to not have to ADR, and that's absolutely, um, you know, my preference is certainly to get the performance live, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. there in the moment. It, it that's probably one of the most challenging things to have to do is to try to replicate the the exact same level and you know tone of the performance uh, in a booth. Uh, you're, you know the actor is removed from the scene. They're you know they're they're usually just by themselves. The other they're not going to be acting against other people. They're going to have mm-hmm. to be watching a replay of their performance to match. Their, you know, uh, timing of their original delivery so that the lips sync up with the sound. I the mean, energy it's, is so different. Yeah, it's very, very, very difficult. Um, so, ideally, you're not having to do much of that. But I mean, it really can save your butt, and sometimes it is just frankly necessary. So, mm-hmm. definitely a valuable tool. It's challenging to do, I think, on your own without the, you know, proper um, proper technical tools to do it. Easily, mm, but, but it, it can, can be definitely done. be done. Yeah. It can definitely, definitely be done. Use a
1: closet. That'll be my piece of advice. <laughs> if you don't have a place to record, just, just literally, yeah. you know, closets are so great because they're so insulated with sound Yeah. and because you got coats and whatever hanging
0: up just in well, there. Well, you and, Canadians have coats and everything. That's a good point, yeah. Well, stick some, you know, some parkas <laughs> in there. <so. laughs> you know, but, um, but no, we it, just it, have shorts and t-shirts down here, man.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's what I will say, though, that... It is much more, it's kind of ironic because again, sound has such a, a a high barrier for quality that people yeah. will accept. But I will also say it is easier to, um, if you know what you're doing, it is easier to replicate the sound quality of a blockbuster motion picture than it is to replicate the visual quality of a blockbuster. Oh. And that's kind of where it, it sounds counterintuitive because it's like, well, if people think that the quality of sound matters way more, how could that be? But- if you do a good job on sound, you yeah. can get perfect sound with 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 low end equipment. Um, not low low end, of course. Ooh. It depends. There's a barrier in terms of like if the equipment actually just sucks. But with consumer grade equipment that that is high quality, um, you can easily get not easily. I keep saying easily, but with with the skill put in and the time put in, you can get the quality to to match yeah. that of something that you would see as a big studio film. Um, yeah. Whereas with visuals, it can be you know, 10 times more difficult to actually match that kind of element if you are trying to get it to look like it's a big budget or whatever.
0: Right. Well, you know, I I certainly, I, I, like I said, I'm not an expert, uh, you know, and the only mastering that I've really done was stereo. I've never, I don't have experience with surround sound Mm. 5.1, 7.1 ultra low end frequencies. I, you know, there are so many, I mean, it really, I'll just, I'll frankly admit that I am not even remotely an expert, but I do understand the importance of it. And certainly you've got to carve out budget for that um, and, uh, and find somebody who has an expertise in it. I am not. But uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I have um, on a feature film, a horror film that uh, I was a part of a while back. Um, I was brought in to help assist the interactions between the, the guy or the team that was uh, mastering everything, doing the sound design and providing feedback. And it was a really eye-opening experience. Uh, it's not stuff that, you know, I, at that high of a level, it's not something that I would have ever done myself. Uh, I have great respect for people who are, are experts in that. But um, really, uh, just the, the level of the, you know what you can do with sound design. And you had spoken to this, too, where you're talking about sound is uh, an effect. And we've talked, I mean, you've got location sound, ADR. We talked a little bit about Foley. Um, it's just it's it's really a cool cool uh place to play in as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, yeah. And we don't, and we haven't even talked too much about this which is you know stylistically using sound. Herzog yeah. in this lesson yeah. talks about blending and distorting sounds for stylization. And you know here for the past 30 minutes we've been talking about you know just kind of recording sound properly. We've Mm -hmm, heard the technicalities, yeah. Right, we haven't even touched base on using sound artistically, stylistically. You know, Herzog talks about uh, he he mentions a couple examples uh, from his film Signs of Life, where he has the distorted applause with I don't even know how to describe this. What what kind of what would how would you call it when a wire like twangs almost? Yeah, when you it's like a. What would you call it? I don't <laughs> even know. It, I don't it's... even know. But you get the, it's like a guitar string. Imagine, you know, you have these high power, like high tension lines. They kind of have this like, Doing. but mm-hmm. um, I, that was horrible. I can't believe I just did that. It just, <laughs> but Wee. Uh, I think people get the idea. But, you know, mm-hmm. how he, he combined these uh, sounds uh, with the, the that, you know, the scene of the the kind of famous scene of the sea of windmills. And then he mentions another uh, uh, film, Encounters at the End of the World, where he has the scientist, this poor scientist who's, you know, half of her face froze off, uh, lays down on the ice. And he mm-hmm. he uses this wild, I think he actually uses the term like Pink Floyd-esque or something. But I, yeah, I he describes it very much like the dark side of the moon. <laughs> yeah, kind of. yeah. And I, yeah. I don't remember it personally being too much like pink floyd but I, I feel you you know i i get it i get it but oh, um, maybe it's just a word for crazy <laughs> <Weird>. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah but uh, or psychedelic or something i don't know yeah i mean hey i love floyd and dark side of the moon is i think one of the greatest rock albums uh, to ever have been recorded but mm-hmm. um but yeah so he mentions those examples and i'm sure i know there are many more in his filmography now this is definitely an area that i have not explored any anywhere near to the level that I've explored some other aspects of filmmaking. So I, you know, this was kind of an inspiration to me and just a reminder of, you know, hey, there's this whole other area here where it's not just about recording accurately at a high level of competence of, you know, uh, of cleanliness um, and resolution, but there's just this whole world of style of, uh, of design available to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. there's so many things I mean you know it, it just you can translate I mean we talk about often the just the, the nuance and subtlety of mise-en-scene manipulation that you can use this just all these layers of of storytelling density visually we talk about how you can manipulate these things to elicit you know profound emotional response and like sound is probably even more so I mean you, you talked about how it's almost a more primal right you never stop listening when you sleep mm-hmm. you've stopped watching but you'd never stop hearing. It's such a primal, I, I can't, it's like the amount of time, like you had said, the amount of time it takes for a sound to go from your ear to your brain is, I think, considerably less than it takes to get from your eye to your brain. Yeah. It's even though yeah. we're very visual creatures, this is such a primal, emotionally connected Cause, Yeah, because visuals are more complex. Where yeah. sound
1: is usually very, very simple, even if it is, you know, a created. Complicated... Well, it's just and it's evolutionary, yeah, right? Exactly. It's like yeah.
0: You're asleep on the plains of Africa, and you know, you hear some you hear rustling. You're a lion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like boom. Um, um, I, I, not that I'm ever going to pretend to be, you know, an evolutionary science or scientist or whatever you would call that, but uh, but yeah, I uh, and so there's just it's it's just awesome to me, you know, again to be reminded for myself that hey, there's this whole other world here.
1: And it's funny because I actually, again, like I said, this was kind of where a lot of my interest used to lie. and still does, um, just less career-oriented. But, um, you know, back when I was younger, I really, really wanted to do sound experimentation and Foley and all that design for a living. Um, And I think that, um, you know, it can be as simple as just... It's it's just like everything in film is, is about... A lot of it's about manipulation. And I think that, you know... An example being that the the Hitchcock short that I just made, mm-hmm. um, the there's a moment where there's a character who's entering a house to kill another character, and they're walking up the stairs, and the character their main character is waiting at the top of the stairs, and it's dark and you can't see the person, but you can hear them coming up the stairs, and there's I think like ten steps on the staircase. And those ten steps were done instantly on the day. You know, it doesn't take that long to climb ten steps, but I've I basically extended it to like twenty steps of mm. this like creaking coming up the stairs. Mm. So, and I think that again, that kind suspense. of is, is where it's like it doesn't have to be realistic. Um, you can use it, and same with the you know, there's the famous scene in The Godfather when Michael shoots the police captain and the uh, mafioso in the the little cafe, mm-hmm. um, and in that there's this, this sound of the subway going above the restaurant and the subway sound cuts to silence as soon as Michael pulls the trigger and you still hear the other sounds. You still hear footsteps and stuff like that, but it's utilizing, again, that's kind of where this diegetic versus extra diegetic comes in, where it's, you're utilizing diegetic sound in an extra diegetic fashion, Mm. um, to emphasize. And it doesn't have to be, again, you can very rarely are, are, sound effects in film, even if they're supposed to replicate real life, um, very rarely are they exactly replicating real life. They're usually exaggerated in some way.
0: Exactly. And that's where I was kind of saying that, you know, if, if you just use the literal sound of what was happening, uh, it, it, it's just funny because we've kind of all inherited this grammar of film, which also includes, foley work and mm-hmm. sound effects <laughs> it just yes, no, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't seem quote unquote you know even real even if you're going for a realistic effect much less a stylized effect uh it, it'll come off so flat um Oh, and some totally. of these things, some of these things get exaggerated to kind of ridiculousness. Like sometimes it's it's hysterical to think of like you know the uh, sounds of like a fist hitting somebody's face. Is <laughs> actually In a, a f- baseball bat hitting a leather jacket or something. Or like that. something and I mean, just- I've
1: done that. I I I had a horror movie where someone had to be being gouged by this demon and we wow, used um,
0: that such violent <laughs> such violent yeah, sorry, I mean, subject matter that's just all
1: in. but I, uh but we used a watermelon we were like scraping out a watermelon had the and even you know the sound of the monster was like my dog's breathing slowed yeah. down to like yeah. a, you know 50% or 20% or something like that so we just again it, and that's one of the, that's kind of where i describe it as being very similar to visual effects old old style visual effects where it's like you can go out and record your dog you know drinking water and slow it down to five yeah. percent and see how that sounds and then go oh no that's not right and then go back out and get something else play you know, it back re- play around with it It's, it's you know, a so this lot reminds of
0: fun. me yeah this reminds me i mean you know uh gosh i really hope my memory serves here because it has been a very long time but if i'm you know uh, uh of course it's it's like pretty common that you'll find commentary tracks will have the director, obviously often producers, certainly often, you know, lead actors. So it's very rare that you get a commentary track where you've got uh, somebody who was, you know, one of the, like the heads of the sound department, whether they were, you know, overall kind of sound design or whatever it might've been. It's very rare, but if I'm not mistaken, isn't that, don't the original star Wars films, at least like the new hope, isn't there a commentary track from the sound designer, from Ben that. Burt?
1: there probably is. I wouldn't be surprised because Ben and, Burt was definitely one of the and again pioneers. And, of and like, it, like I that said,
0: stuff. it's been a while. It's been a while, but I mean, I remember being blown away by the detail where he described, you know, the blending of different sounds. How he would mm-hmm. go out and and record all of these sounds and blend them together to make everything from you know the creature and I'm pretty sure Ben Burtt did lightsaber. THX as well. I'm so, pretty sure he uh, he yeah. also did the sound for THX. Yeah. And so anyway, I was just going to say I would totally recommend uh, seeking those out um, because mm-hmm. they, they really are extraordinary. It's a little, you know, couple hour long film schools here that are specific to sound uh, and should be readily available, I would imagine. But totally. uh, yeah, yeah I, I, it's just a, it, it really is. It's I kind of get excited again because it's an area that I personally have not explored anywhere as much as I could. And so. You know, trying to push myself to utilize that more in my upcoming projects to really be more conscientious from the very beginning, pre-production. You know, it's always so worried about the script and I'm always so worried about the cast and all these other things. And, of course, you should be. But, you know, as much as I can sit here and say sound is so vital, I mean, it still does fall lower than it probably should on my list of priorities. So, I I mean,
1: that's the thing is it's especially on set. You know, yeah. it's the first thing, and it's really unfortunate, but it's the first thing to kind of go out the window when things are running, you know, behind schedule. Yeah. And, and it's, which is ironic because it it's arguably the, the key thing that you need to keep kind of on top yeah. of. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I will say, um, and this just, again, this takes a huge amount of understanding and it should never be a light decision. Um, but there also is the argument that sound is, in a way, one of the easier elements to do over. Yeah. Um, whereas if there's, you know, a boom in the shot or something goes wrong visually, <laughs> visual effects are so expensive. Whereas, you know, retaking sound for Foley or whatever um, is is a, a fraction of that, that, that cost of visual it, effects or painting c- things it out. It can be.
0: That can be yeah. i i do on a project that i was a part of though a while i mean we had to adr so much of it that uh no, that just became so expensive <laughs> uh, that it actually ended up being uh you know almost prohibited the film from you know any kind of release uh, Jeez, yeah. thankfully it was we overcame the challenge and i was a very small piece of that film and i think it's a, a really killer little horror film and, nice, and it came nice. out quite nice but it was i mean it was uh, it took a very long period of time and i think considerable money to repair this uh issue so Mm -hmm. but i think also too you know that was we use that as an opportunity as well to modify performance modify some dialogue so there was a little bit of i would say quote unquote editing that was done which is of Mm -hmm. course something else you can do with adr right i mean you can literally change the script you can modify performances if you know hopefully you're not having to do that uh, certainly you shouldn't be shooting thinking you're going to do that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, you know, but Hey, uh, things happen and it is a tool that's available to you. I just, you know, this is, I, I, I think we've covered just about everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. in the lesson, but I just want to point out one thing. I've got this in my notes and it doesn't have anything to do with sound, but I just love it. <laughs> do you remember back a uh, few? Le- I forget now. It's a few lessons ago. We're talking about cameras and we're talking about how Herzog hates to, sh- to have a zoom, mm-hmm. uh, to yes. actually use a zoom in, you know as a shot where we literally see the zoom. He's like, hey, I love zoom lenses because I can recompose on the fly, and they're especially fantastic for documentary filmmaking, but I don't ever want to show a zoom. I'm 99% sure, if my memory is serving me, that in Encounters at the End of the World, the example he gives for blending and distorting sounds for stylization there is, in fact, a zoom shot there. Yeah, oh, there's no. that there. There's a few. There actually are a few things that I could point out that
1: Herzog does use. As zoom I just love in it. camera. And my, me yeah.
0: pointing this out is absolutely not in any way to, uh, like, say, oh, you know, he contradicts himself, so everything he says is garbage. That's all wrong. Is yeah. garbage. <laughs> to me, it's actually super endearing. I, I love the fact that he kind of contradicts himself, and I think it just goes to show that... Um, that there are just so many avenues of application for mm-hmm. yeah in filmmaking and in all of these areas it's just there's just such a such a wonderful sandbox for exploration so yeah, yeah. but yeah good stuff yeah excellent well, well Cullen I think we've come to the end of another mm-hmm. episode uh, everybody out there in podcast listening land I want to thank you so much for hanging out with us I hope you've enjoyed this uh, this episode I know that I have Cullen thank you so much thank you. And until next time, oh wait, but before that, before I say until next time, I have to say, let's, let's give a little sneak peek of what next time is going to be. So next episode, we're going to be talking about lesson 16, which is an extension of sound, music. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Which is so, super, super pertinent, at least what I do.
0: So, ah, well, fantastic. We can't, I can't wait to discuss it. This is going to be another exciting one. All right. Well, until then, everybody take care.